Our story for today happens just after our story from last week. So Jesus and his disciples had just celebrated the Passover meal. Jesus had just instituted the Lord's Supper for the first time. And they went out of Jerusalem to this place called Gethsemane. It was at the base of the Mount of Olives, and it was a place where they would take the olives and press them into olive oil. This wasn't really a special thing for them this week because they had been going out there every night. Maybe they were even spending the nights there camping during Passover week. But this would be a special night. As soon as they got there, Jesus told most of the disciples to sit and wait for him right here while he goes and prays. Then he took Peter, James, and John a little bit further. And they could tell something was wrong right away. Remember, these were the three disciples who he had brought up on top of the mountain at Transfiguration, and they had seen God, they had seen Jesus in all his glory as God. Holiness, perfection, majesty. Can you imagine what that must have been like? It would have been incredible. Now he was distraught. He tells them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. This was different. This was probably the worst night of Jesus' life so far. Can you imagine that? Jesus went on just a little bit further after asking them to wait here and watch with me while I pray. He went on a little further and and he began to pray. And I think we've all seen pictures we just saw during the hymn of the day, a picture of Jesus in Gethsemane, those beautiful paintings of him on his knees looking to heaven, praying with a halo around his head. I don't think he was that pretty, though. Matthew tells us he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. If we think of the times we've fallen with our faces to the ground, or I think more often nowadays we fall with our face to a mattress or a pillow, those aren't good times. Jesus is not in a good place right now. See, he's God. He knows what's coming next. He knows that tomorrow he's going to die. If I knew that tomorrow I was going to die, I think I'd be a mess. That kind of knowledge is enough to really mess with anyone, I think. But we're humans. We die. We're, we're sinners and, and sinful creatures die. That's, that's how it works. It's, it's almost normal. And, and even as almost normal as it is for us to die at the end of our lives, we don't like it, do we? Not one bit. We're scared of it. Jesus was perfect. There was no way on earth he was supposed to die. So there's not even an ounce of normalcy in that. He's not, he's not supposed to die, and, and more than that, he knows he's not just going to you know, just die. He's going to be whipped and beaten and spit on and, and murdered in front of his friends and family. And I, I don't think this is a case where the anticipation is worse than the actual event. We all know how that goes, right? Looking forward to that dentist appointment, or maybe it's a shot you need to get from the doctor, or maybe it's an exam or a test of some sort. 
that anticipation where you're, you're feeling anxious about it, it can last a lot longer and almost be worse than, than the real thing, right? N- not today. Not for Jesus. Because not only was he going to die, but on that cross, he was going to be separated from God. And that is literally the worst thing anyone can possibly go through. It's actually the definition of hell. Separation from God. That's what hell is. So he knew tomorrow he was also going to literally go through hell. That's crazy. And the Son of God himself was overwhelmed at the prospect that he was on his face on the ground crying. It makes sense to us that that he started his prayer like this. He said, Abba, Father, that's, that's the Hebrew or Aramaic version of saying daddy or or papa. So, let's listen to his prayer. The first thing he prays is, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Three times he prays that same thing. Can you feel his anguish? Dad, please, don't let this happen to me unless it absolutely has to. We know the second part of his prayer, too. This is how it goes. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. And he prays this three times as well. As much as he... He genuinely doesn't want to go through the ordeal he's about to go through. As much as he genuinely doesn't want that, his zeal, his desire for God's will to be done overwhelms that. He wants God's will more than he he cares about his own physical well-being or his own life even. Here's a hard fact for us. God's will actually is more important than our own physical well-being and our own lives. But before you let that fact seem too harsh, remember that God's will actually is our well-being. His will is for our best interests. He loves us so much that he was willing to do this, that Jesus was willing to go through all of this for us. So we can see the incredible love that God has for us. And we can trust Him because of that. Do you trust God? I think we can. The things He was willing to endure for our sake are incredible. So we want to trust Him, and we want to do His will. We want His will. We want that to come to pass. We want to live for Him. Now, each time He prayed... Jesus would go back to his disciples to check on them. And each time he went back to them, he found them asleep. The first time he woke them up and and he gave them this warning. He said, the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Now, the disciples weren't jerks. They loved Jesus. They weren't just giving up on him. It's, It's not that they didn't care. In fact, Luke tells us that they were exhausted from sorrow. 
They loved Jesus so much, and they could see how, how much pain he was in, how, how upset he was, and it was wearing them thin. They were, they were physically exhausted, and, and they couldn't help but doze off. So let's not be too quick to, to judge them for that. So, and, and when he wakes them up, Jesus, you would think, he's on the worst night of his life. He needs his friends there with him. He'd say, come on guys, why aren't you awake for me? But that's not it. He cares more about them than himself, even when he wakes them up, when they should be, should be there for him. He, he's giving them this warning. The spirit is willing, the body is weak. You need to stay awake. You need to be alert because these guys are about to go through their own trials as well. They're the 12 closest friends and followers of Jesus, the man whom Jerusalem is about to scream for his death. They need just as much strength and encouragement from God as as Jesus himself did that night. We're a lot like those disciples, aren't we? We love Jesus. He's our greatest friend. And when we think about what he was willing to go through for us, when the disciples thought about what he was willing to do for them, we want to do everything for him. We want to do this. We want to live our lives to thank Jesus. And that is the definition of the Spirit is willing. Our spirits really are willing because of what God has done for us. But is that how you always live? Do you always want God's will over your own? I don't want to answer that question. I don't think everyone here would like to answer it either. So often, don't we think of ourselves as first? So often, don't we want what we want and not really care about God? Or maybe we get frustrated with him when he doesn't give us everything we ask for. We start to doubt whether or not the guy even wants us to be happy. You think of him as some big jerk in heaven who just does what he wants and expects us to live with it. We forget that Jesus himself begged God in prayer and God answered with him God answered him with a no. Jesus got a no from God, and we get mad when we get no's from God. That's pretty ridiculous. And, and that's just how we are. We, maybe we stop even talking to God. We do whatever we want because we think we're more important than God. And this is why Jesus says the body is weak. Our sinful nature, that's our weakness. I want you to think of yourself as a driver going down the road late at night. I think a lot of us adults have been there where you're just a little bit too tired to be on the road, but you're not home yet. You want to stay awake. It's a life and death matter, actually, because that two-ton vehicle you're in going 100 kilometers an hour could kill you if you fall asleep. There's not a part of your mind that says, I want to be asleep right now. But doesn't your body just always betray you? You can do all those things. You can open the windows. You can turn the radio on. And yet, even with those circumstances, even with the life and death risk, your body still starts to doze off. 
That's how living for God can be, isn't it? Faith isn't something that we can just sleep our way through. It's something we need to stay alert for. That's why Jesus warns His disciples, stay up, watch, and pray so that you don't fall into temptation. We don't want to fall into temptation. We honestly don't. And yet, our bodies keep leading us that way, don't they? We have to stay alert. So we're trying to stay alert. And we're doing our best to watch and pray. And, and, and we, keep, we keep failing. We keep, we keep falling, even though our spirit is totally weak. We don't want to do sinful things. We don't want to want to do sinful things, but, but we still do. This is what Paul was getting at in our second lesson. He feels our pain says, the good things that I do want to do, these I don't do, and the bad things that I don't want to do, that's the stuff I keep on doing. What's wrong with me? Why can't I stop? He feels our pain, and, and that spirit of thanksgiving is just, it, it, well, we're falling asleep behind the wheel, aren't we? So what's our solution? What do we do? I think consistently the best way to stay awake on the road late at night is to have someone to talk to. Maybe it's on Bluetooth with your phone, or maybe it's that person sitting in the passenger seat. And that conversation keeps your mind working. It helps your mind fight your body's fatigue. keeps you alert. helps you focus on the road. That person sitting there next to you or on the phone with you, having that person, that, that can be a life-saving thing. And here's the thing, we have, we have someone to talk to when our faith starts to get drowsy too. God offers to be that person for us. That's what prayer is, it's talking to God. So, so we can, we, we go and we talk to God, we stay awake, we watch and we pray. And he helps us to stay alert. That way, that way our spirit of thanksgiving, that way our, our willing spirit that wants to live for him can stay alert, even though our sinful nature keeps trying to drag it down in, into sleepiness and temptation. Because God is there for us. That's what Paul looked to for hope. He looked to the cross. To Jesus. And that's where we look for hope too. To Jesus and his cross. As Jesus was waking his disciples up that last time, Judas, his betrayer, and the party that would arrest him were approaching this was happening now. His arrest, his illegal overnight trial, his rushed morning sentencing, it was all beginning right now. These things would lead him to the cross. To that same cross we look to for hope because we know that while he was up on that cross, he endured the punishment for sin for us. We know that while he was up on that cross, he, he paid for all our sins of rejection, all of our sins of doubt, all of our sins of putting ourselves and our own will over God's. All those sins and all the rest of our sins are washed away because of what he did on that cross. There's no guilt left. We have no reason to feel guilty because Jesus has paid our guilt for us. We're forgiven. And friends, 
That's amazing. So let's pray. Let's stay up. Let's stay alert. Let's keep our faith awake and keep praying to God so that our willing spirits can live lives for Him. Amen.